the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. We talk about the stock market, for sure. Who wants to talk about the stock market? I do, I do. We could talk about the Trump administration. I'm not going to say crazy days, because that kind of puts it in the wrong perspective. It just, it's, it's interesting, to say the least. Um, I know what's good and bad. He sounds... I'm just going to I'm going to leave it at that. So, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Got to pull up a couple emails here real quick. You've got mail. Uh, oh, new computer. Give me a second. I'm, There's uh, a letter in your stuff. mailbox. Okay, that's enough. So, okay. Yeah, work computer went down today. Um, so... Tech stocks have been outperforming recently, and that's all good and fine, but sometimes you want financials to do well. Sometimes you want healthcare to do well. On occasion, you want oil to do well. You kind of want everything to work a little bit. The S&P 500 has recently been running higher, but it ran into some technical resistance right around 2,800 when we started hearing some of the tariff talk coming out of the Trump administration. And restrictions on China, steep tariffs and investment restrictions on China. And then you hear a little bit about a M&A no-go between a Chinese company and a U.S. tech company, kiboshed by the president. You could probably expect China to say similar thoughts. So retail sales data out of China has been held out as a source of future support, positive. Um, how do they interact going forward as consumers of American goods? Question mark. And Wall Street can deal with a demon known. I got four broken legs. Really? I can deal with that. What we can't deal with is, are there fractures? Are there like micro breaks? Uh, is it going to be six years to get recovered? Is, is there damage to the uh, ligaments? Wall Street can deal with any, any truth. It's it's the demons unknown that get to us. I think that's fair in life itself, too, right? Retail sales in the United States came out. And consumer price index, consumer price index didn't show any worrisome pass-through effects from rising producer prices. So that's good. Not, no, lot, no a lot of inflation. <laughs> I know you're saying, were you schooled by monkeys or hyenas? No, no a lot of inflation. Not a lot of inflation in the numbers, which... 
again, kind of gives the market a little bit of a breather and says, you know, the Fed doesn't have to raise interest rates, you know, every moment of every day of every week of every report. So um, that's nice. Uh, A lot of people are kind of predicting the beginning of the end for this bull market uh, when the 10-year Treasury hits right around 3%, which it's expected to this year, currently at 2.83%. Um, so we'll keep an eyeball on that gold, silver, uh, not a lot doing in the last few years, retail sales in the United States falter a bit, uh, but not a lot of inflation. Um, so that's kind of out there as far as stories of the day. Um, <clears throat> what else do I really want to hit on? If I may really hit on something else, um, I got an interesting email from someone who basically said, I'm in my 30s and I've had kind of a financial setback. A financial disaster is what was used. And when you think about your being in your 30s or your 40s or your 50s, you kind of think about it kind of big picture, don't you? Like, what's a financial setback for someone in their 30s versus in their 40s or in their 20s? For In my 20s, it was like if a car died on me and I had to go scrounge money for a car. But most people say a job loss is probably the number one thing that causes financial security issues. Then it could be bad financial decisions or a stock market loss or earning less in your lifetime than you expected. Um, earning less than you expected is, is a big one. That, that covers probably all your 30s, all your 40s, and all your 50s. And um, we kind of have this lesson in our head that things you know, won't go wrong. So why should I prepare for something to go wrong if it's not going to go wrong? And that's the people who run into the biggest problems when they do have something like a job loss. Um, So they don't have a plan. Working with an advisor to create a financial plan can help you take steps to work towards big goals, making savings for things easier. For instance, you know, I just talked about some of the things that cause financial disasters. Let's talk about some things that you should start thinking about in your twenties. You should start thinking about buying a home and putting together a down payment, have a plan, have a bank account that you nickname cutely. You nickname your car, you nickname your lover cupcake or something like that. You nickname your, your pooch. Why not nickname your savings accounts? And it could be my first home. And you start saving in that. So therefore, if there's ever a disaster, you're like, well, I'm going to go take the money from my bank account. And then you look at the account, it says, my first home. And you're like, I can't take that. That's so cute. So you get ready for disasters by getting ready for your goals. And I can name my goals in my lifetime. And there's not that many, surprisingly. I want to be able to retire at some point in time and not work till the day I die. I want to do more and longer travel to more absurd places. Um, I don't need to see the Sphinx. looks like a dusty rock to me. But I would like to see some stuff in Thailand, some of the beaches. I'm a beach guy when it comes right down to it, um, as far as vacations go. But, okay, yeah, so you have to write down things that you're going to have to save money for because things are expensive. Buying a home. Um, But you have to write it down. Writing it down makes it true. I once carved my initials into a tree. I loved a girl named Julie something, let's say Bowen. 
It's not right. Um, but I put RB plus JB. And when she saw it, when she saw it, she was horrified. <laughs> Probably called the police. Um, so you, you want to save money for home. You want to save money in case you're going to change jobs. I've got a friend right now that his wife wants to, in her mid-40s, go back to school to become an interpreter, sign language. And my only negative on that is that's a little bit late to be spending money to become qualified at something unless you plan to do it to like your 60, 70, 80 kind of thing, which you could. Um, but you want to save money for a child. You want to save money for a marriage. You want to save money potentially to move. You should have little buckets that you're, little accounts, little, little thoughts that you're always saying, okay, some of my money's going to go to some of these things so that if there is a disaster, I've already got it kind of like set up. So it helps to have an emergency fund of two months to six months. It helps to have goals. And then you can overcome almost any disaster that happens, like a job loss. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. Facebook's not going to do Bitcoin advertising, nor is Google. That's good because Bitcoin is incredibly risky and there's not a lot of adults in the realm when it comes to managing it. doesn't mean you can't make money on it, but it doesn't mean you can't make money on Cabbage Patch Kids either, or Pet Rocks, or those invisible dog collars, whether it's just you know a, a really well-starched-up uh, dog collar so that it, it looks like it's floating in air. There's no such thing as invisible dogs. People who bought Pet Rocks are stupid, financially stupid. And pro- probably mentally stupid as well, right? Um, but it's out there. Um, I'm glad Google and Facebook are not taking advertising because I, I think it's seductive. And I think as a nature, as a, a, a society, we have a tough time protecting that. I don't know how I feel recently about the, the dog that went on the United flight that the stewardess made the lady put the dog pack up on the overhead, and then I guess the dog suffocated it on the flight and died. I don't know how I feel about that. Personally, I'm kind of like one of those guys that dogs shouldn't be flying. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. That's not the answer. You're so mean. I don't know how I feel about this one. Amazon is in the news today. But it's not Amazon, it's a company that's been Amazon. Internet, superhighway, roadkill. Toys R Us. Now, I remember coming to the Bay Area 15 years ago and going Christmas shopping, looking for little kids' toys and stuff like that. And you'd go, you'd go into a store and you'd be like, this is the cutest little toy store. It's called Santa's Cutest Little Toy Store. And like, next year they're out of business. Amazon's put them out of business. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to go to Toys R Us to get, find some toys. So you go to Toys R Us and I'm like, whoo! You don't have to get on Amazon. You can actually see the toy. You can play with the toy. You can kind of get a feel for it. There's 800 toys, toys R Us stores in the United States. They, they can't be beaten. There are 800 of them. They're the world's biggest toy store, Toys R Us. They got Jeffrey the, uh, the giraffe, which I don't quite understand. But sure, sure. Oh, wait, wait. They got Amazon, too? Whoa. Toys R Us is going bankrupt. 
via liquidation. The last couple of years, Toys R Us accounted for 15 to 20% of U.S. toy stores. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Don't you get the feeling that Jeff Bezos is he's up there right now in his Death Star that's hidden behind the moon? And he's just laughing. Toys R Us, you are mine. <laughs> and you know what it brings up with the whole evil empire thing is... At one point in time, it was like, oh, the mom and pops are going down. Oh, the mom and pop uh, retailer. Oh, the mom and pop, uh, you know, hardware store. Home Depot's putting them out. Oh, the mom and pop electronics store. Burton Electronics. Meet Best Buy. Best Buy runs them over. But when you have Toys R Us take down Amazon, or Toys R Us being taken down by Amazon, what's wrong with America? Okay. So Hasbro... Is lower today. Mattel is lower today because Toys R Us used to put toys on the, the shelves at full price, right? The company somehow has $4.9 billion in debt. Oh, are you kidding me? Again, Toys R Us didn't just die from Amazon. Toys R Us died from Walmart and Target. I remember going into, I mean, it's been a long time since I've bought toys, right? I remember going into a Toys R Us or a Target. It was a Target. I think Monopoly was like $5. I'm like, how is this $5? And you open it up and everything's smaller and more plasticky and, you know, more cardboard-like versus, you know, board-like, I guess is the right way of saying it. So you get it. Retail has dramatically changed. Not only Amazon and Walmart and Target and Best Buys, but retail's also changed with... Kids don't really want toys anymore. They want iPads. And then you also get into the situation of toys that are made overseas are incredibly cheap and junk-like. But I gotta have them. Mom, I gotta have a Super Squirter. Uh, Mini, that Super Squirter's $33. But I have to have it. And then within a day, it's broken, right? But man. But man. So that's out there. The only thing that makes me crazier than a toy store going down is thinking about marriage. Love and marriage, love and marriage goes together like a horse and carriage. About a third of couples getting married in the next year plan to borrow $10,000 to cover wedding bills. <clears throat> My first marriage, do you know how long I was married? I'll let everyone take a quick guess. Under a year? Over a year. Who's going to take the over? Who's going to take the under? Who's going to take the over? Who's going to take the under? The answer is under a year. And did I get cheated on with uh, a guy from the board of directors of Louis Vuitton, Moe Hennessy? Or did I get cheated on from a guy at a startup who had big buck teeth? Three, two, one, two, two, two. Both is the right answer. Both is the right answer. Whoa. But that's okay. I'm happy. <laughs> I'm not against marriage. Uh, three quarters of engaged couples are going into the red to cover their wedding bills. That's what I'm against. I think it's crazy to go $10,000, 20000 $30,000 in debt. About 11% of people getting married are borrowing $50,000 or more. 16% between ten and 20000 Whoa. And that's a lot of money. That's a bad foot to start off the marriage on. 
It's one of those life events that you really are tied to emotion. The white dress. Dad. Dad, I love you so much. And then she's in the limo pounding scotch and, well, let's just say getting kerfuffled. Kerfuffled. It's one of those things in life that, again, we, we put the white dress and the emotion to and we put a lot of value on when I'm hoping more and more millennials just lope and, you know, do things on a budget. So if there's a gap between your expected spending and your savings in life, see what you can do, both big and small. And I think you want to be married forever and not, you want to remember the day forever, but not pay for the day forever. $50,000 is too much credit card debt or $50,000 credit debt is too much. 10 to 20, too much. Average wedding's over 30,000, too much. Seriously, a, a veil that costs like $700, $800. Oh my, my, my. I'd say brown paper bag over that head. Is you blind? Just saying. Or you could blind yourself, too. You can find more at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. I have the privilege of sitting next to CFP Chad Burton, a very longtime friend and partner. Uh, you can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. He does a show here as well on KDRW. You can always find it at Apple iTunes and get a podcast. You can find him at Facebook, newfocusfinancial.com. And that's where he posts the radio show as well. So you can get a copy of it there. That's probably the easiest way to find it. Newfocusfinancial.com or newfocusfinancial Facebook page. Uh, we'll take you straight there. Um, and for those who follow me, you should follow him because we do very different things. Um, there's some overlap, but not as much as you would think. So you and I do events, Chad and if anyone ever wants to sign up for one, they can go to newfocusfinancial.com and sign up. And there's a lot of information there. There's a lot of downloads. There's a couple of videos. Um, but one of the big concepts for me is retirement income. Because right now, the job is the income. Yep. And in the end, you and I kind of had a discouraging conversation about this. Jobs are going away. Um, so... Well, I think this is going to be disrupted. I think it's... Right. I mean, it's really hard to separate this because it's like you're going to hear about probably more muted GDP growth in the next several years. Okay. Because, you know, the idea of returning to 3 to 4% is going to be really tough to do. But is that necessary when companies are making so much money overseas? You actually have to look at global growth, not just U.S. GDP. And jobs here, even though it's going to be tough on the lower-end jobs for those people, if you have money to invest and you're investing aggressively right now and saving, not just, you know, it doesn't matter what, but just investing, mm-hmm. there's going to be ways to make a lot of money off those changes and those disruptions because companies that maybe are only growing their earnings by three to 5%, they're going to continue to be able to cut costs. So their earnings might be growing much higher than that. So it's going to be, it could be great for stocks in the long run. I mean, we, we could only be a few years into a, what's the next bull market based on new ti- science and technology, artificial intelligence and all that coming together. Great for investors, tough on people that, you know, are way behind on retraining something that's, that they need to get into to be able to make money or invest. One of the companies you're talking about without talking about it, is a company like an Apple where they're going to obviously continue to automate, 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 and 
uh, their services isn't doing well. So people can live off the income if you have Apple stock. Um, so mm-hmm. stocks can pay you income, which is kind of what we're talking about here, income in retirement. Yeah. Um, your portfolio, do you still kind of buy into the rule that you need at least a million to pay you 40000 Yes. And that's really, really pushing the limits until you know, interest rates on bonds increase. But I mean, if we go, if you're listening now and you're 30 or 40 years old, even in your twenties, the happiest people in retirement, the ones that I see are the ones that have positive cash flow real estate, okay. always paying the money, right? Right. Managed by somebody else. So they don't have to worry about it. Sure. Um, and then they have a good chunk in dividend paying stocks right. that always increase their dividends. So that could be, uh, you know, two and a half, 2.8% yield or right. so coming in. And then some income from like Social Security, other guaranteed sources, and they tend not to sell shares. They don't even they're not worried about bonds as much at a low interest rate environment because they have so much passive income coming. And stocks, if you buy stocks that continue to increase their dividend, when the market falls by you know every seven to ten years, we get those twenty to thirty percent declines, which you should be buying more, not selling. Learn that lesson, right? And a lot of people don't. They still they'll sell at the bottom. But those stocks still increase their dividends even during the downturn. So you get paid to wait. And so you, you start to care less about the daily fluctuations or the monthly changes on your investment statements if you know that income's coming no matter what. And that's a great place to be in retirement so you can enjoy life where versus worrying about what the balance on your statement is at the end of the month. In the end, there's states like California that are very expensive because of the income tax and the sales tax. Mm-hmm. Would that be a consideration that you would have, something you would talk about at a seminar, for instance, um, that people can sign up for at newfocusfinancial.com, get in for your radio code, radio 25? Um, mm-hmm. Would you leave California? Um, I, th- I think people that have lived here for a long time and have the low property tax base, once they retire, if you do your income planning strategies right in terms of blending from your taxable accounts, your retirement accounts, and your Roth IRAs, the tax marginal or the effective rather tax rate that you pay, even at the state level because of certain deductions and things mm-hmm. like that, isn't as much as you might think. But if you are struggling to meet your income needs in retirement because you haven't saved enough and you know you're going to need to tap that equity in your house... Mm-hmm. And you know you're going to need that to do that the next three to five years. I'd be pulling the trigger right now. And I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I mean the prices that you see here, absolutely unreal. I mean, I've got a low end home, but it's a high end price. Mm-hmm. Um, so I live way beneath my ways and means. But it's a thousand dollars square foot right now, right? And that's like Manhattan. And you're like, whoa, <clears throat> Manhattan's nice and lovely, and it's got some perks to a high paying jobs and such, but. Um, I haven't seen any price increase in the last two years. I've seen a decrease and you see other markets that are increasing. Um, so maybe some low end homes in the area, but what's a low end home? You're taking a gamble and then picking up a condo and there's no shortage of condos in the world. I mean, it's when my test for, do I want to be involved in real estate in the current market mm-hmm. is if, if I can put 20 to 30% down and get a traditional 30 year loan yep. on the rest, and pay a property manager to manage my mm-hmm. rental property. I don't want to have to find renters and do credit checks and all that garbage. Um, and they're going to pay. They're going to charge usually eight to ten percent of the income somewhere around in there. Unless you're in a vacation area, then it's like thirty percent. Right, right. Um, and then I've got you know net of my property taxes and everything else. If I can, you know, make sure that that's not negative cash flow. Yeah. Then okay, that's fine. Somebody else is buying that asset for me. And all I have to worry about is short-term vacancies where I might have to fund the mortgage for a while. Um, 
if that start those numbers don't work anymore, I'm not going to be involved in that market. There might be some you know, construction flipping opportunities, but I'm a business owner and I've got four kids. I don't have time to do that. You know, that's not my job. (laughs) So I hear you. And even that's kind of overblown now when you're getting multiple price offers on something that's kind of needs to be torn down and rebuilt. Yeah. Go travel and find some different areas. That's why so many people are living in the Northwest now and traveling to the Bay area three days a week to work and then working from home two days a week. You know, a couple of years ago, that same story was people were living in Vegas and flying to and from Daily to the Bay Area. I can't. I hate Vegas. What do you hate about Vegas? I just, I don't like it. Okay. I need trees, water, and snow, and seasons. They have have all those inside of of casinos. (laughs) Yes, they do. You're right. They they even have New York inside one casino. And Paris inside another. Right, right. And it's fairly convincing. So It is, kind of. Especially after a few drinks. Like, wow, that is the Statue of Liberty. It's right there. Actually, in Vegas, it's the Statue of Bigotry. <laughs> it's just a slightly different version, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, so you do an event called Retirement Income Strategies and Estate Planning. People can sign up for events that are coming up at newfocusfinancial.com, newfocusfinancial.com. Um, one of the things that I find fascinating in our industry is the word products. Mm-hmm. And one of the things you go over is good and bad retirement products. Yep. Uh, what's a bad retirement product? Um. A bad retirement product is most of the time it's when you get into something that you think has certain guarantees, but you really don't understand it. And it comes with a lot of paperwork, um, giant, thick prospectuses, um, and periods of time where you can't get out of it. They're they're bad. They're horrible. You need a good financial plan has flexibility because there's no one right answer for every financial situation. It depends on your family, your risk tolerance, your, you know, all the traditional things that your advisors say. Um, but even the products that I like for retirement right now, mm-hmm. like no load annuities that are completely liquid, but they have a certain income guarantee for life. If we get a return to interest rates where I can ladder corporate bonds at five to 6% again, yeah. I will not like those products anymore. They'll be they'll be out of the the quiver, so to say. So, um, but until then, they're a good bond alternative. And so we talk about what are you know what is a bond alternative? Stocks that pay high dividends are never bond alternatives. REITs are not bond alternatives. It's got to have some sort of a principal guarantee or an income guarantee, depending on what your your goals are. Um, so some people have money that's set aside that's supposed to be the safe side of their portfolio. And the first thing you do, what is that money set aside for? Is it set aside for principal protection? Is it set aside for it's in case I go into a nursing home when I'm 80 or is it, I need income from this money that never goes away. And you know, most, most products sold by insurance agents. If, if somebody comes to you with financial planning advice and the first thing they do is show you a product run. Okay. And typically by showing you a product, they're showing you a glossy uh, report or a glossy, you know, packet of information. So, yep. I feel bad about product. Like, even this station has some people that know that there's a financially savvy audience. Mm-hmm. So they will market to them and they'll say, you know, guaranteed 7% return. I'm like, you can't guarantee that. There's, you can't guarantee that. No, the, the, the internal fees are huge um, in that. And so all it ever guarantees is once the account goes to zero, they'll continue to pay you. And so the likelihood of that happening, the insurance company knows is very low. A 60, 40 portfolio has never lost money over a 10 year period. So it, it, that's kind of what they play off of. And then they're getting fees along that entire period of time. 
uh, at the same time, you know, the, the, my favorite people to hire Rob are yeah. people that get recruited by the Northwestern Mutuals or the Ameriprises of the world, and they go through the product sales training. Yeah, and they start to come to realize on their own that it's not the right thing to do in terms of where they want to go as a financial advisor. And then they want to go into the fee only fiduciary world, but they still know about those things and when they're actually appropriate, Okay. then they're really, they can end up being trained to be really good advisors. It's good stuff. Chad's got a slew, a crew of good advisors. Don't forget. There's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at KDOW.biz or on the KDOW radio app. So I talked to that at college, and I was surprised by some that I could speak like fluent French, and they didn't know a word of French, or they knew a couple words, but it, it was that kind of shocking to me. And I think it's great, and that's why I did it, because you try to give life lessons, you try to pass it forward, so to speak, of how to help people. Um, I truly have a daddy issue, and one of the things I want in the world to do is to help people, to please people, because I was never able to do that for my father. So I'm going through some things and like trying to give you some lessons here. Um, renting's okay. And, uh, you know, I know a person who's, you know, always rented rooms and she's never had a place to herself. Um, I guess at one point in time she was living with a boyfriend kind of thing. Um, and that's fine. That's a way of keeping costs down. And it's kind of a new reality that, you know, when I was growing up and, you know, 21 and on my own, it was like, Ooh, I'm going to go to circle towers and get an apartment. And I, you know, find a couple friends and, he gets a room and I get a room and we get an apartment together. And then you get your first girlfriend. You're like, let's get a place together. And it's a lot of money. So it's one of the biggest costs you're going to have in your life is housing. Um, so paying out college loans was probably the number one question that they had for me. And it's funny because I typically, when I'm in this chair, I'll say, here's how you save for college. But when you're talking to college kids, it's how do you pay off student loans? And I think you tr- you know, come up with a three to five year plan. If it's $20,000, you divide it by 36 months. You treat it like a mortgage payment. And uh, again, I know someone who came out of college with college debt. And what she did was her job basically covered her living expenses. And then she went to a bikini bar and danced. Um, I know two people that did this. One was not a bikini bar. One was a topless bar. And that's a little bit more. It's a little more what it is. But both of them would pull in two hundred to four hundred dollars night cash, which is like pulling in three hundred to six hundred dollars if you had to pay taxes on it. That's not bad. And the one friend was like, you know, I just treated like exercise. I don't have a gym, so I go in there and you know, with a bikini bar, you you shake it. And uh, she met a guy that she ended up dating for six years while at a bikini bar. I'm like, you rule number one: never date, never date anyone that puts money in your g-string. Never, ever, ever ever and uh i don't know that's all i'm gonna say but that was her way of paying down her student debt so and she did it fast and she quit but what's funny was um she was always tired so she'd show up to work and she's like i was up till one o'clock last night and ain't nobody got time for that anyway so you come up with a plan and you attack it and maybe you deliver pizzas maybe you drive for uber or something along those lines um, and you need just to avoid traps, financial traps. Like I said, in your twenties, you're young and sexy and your, your body's wonderful. You don't need to fly to Miami to have like a, a sexy weekend. Um, and if you really want to have like a fantasy, just go to best Western. <laughs> you know what I think of best Westerns? I honestly feel like I'm, I'm stuck in like, um, 
well, not just the ghetto, but like an urban jungle. It's kind of like an urban jungle. So I have that fantasy going, and I put I put the drums in the background and stuff like that. Exactly. So that's the advice on paying off college loans. Um, let's go through these real quick. Um, health insurance. This sucks. Um, a lot of kids in your 20s, you think you're invincible, and you have to, right now with the Obamacare or you know Trump care, whatever it happens, health insurance, it's a good idea. It's a good idea because, for instance, when I was coming out of college, I went jogging one night and a bust opened my knee. I didn't have health insurance. Um, and I had to make a decision of, like, do I go into the emergency room? And when I went into the emergency room, I'm like, how much is, I didn't even go into the emergency room until, like, one of those primary care things that are open all night. I said, how much is it going to cost to stitch up my leg? And they're like, we can't tell you. And see, that's the number one, that's the number one most effed up thing about healthcare is that there's not a friggin' fragging menu of, of like services. Um, and you almost feel like you, if I had good insurance, you're going to bill twice. And if I have no insurance, you might skimp and, and do it the right way. Right. And you, and you don't say that out loud because that's rude. Um, but it's really a good idea to have health insurance. And there's a good website for young people called younginvincibles.org, younginvincibles.org, and it'll help you figure out what sort of health insurance is out there and how to get it. Um, a couple other things that I should hit, because, again, I'm trying to go over some ideas for millennials. Um, credit, a lot of questions on credit. Um, credit's good. Credit's wonderful. Um, I've got two credit cards. Um, I get a lot of points with them. I pay it off every month. I'm able to look at my budget. I have them in my Apple phone, so if you charge... Uh, let's say you and your sugar booger um, share a credit card, and I, a tr- on my te- I get a text that says you just bought two hundred dollars of Giants tickets. I'm like two hundred dollars of Giants tickets, and then there's another one that comes through that says you bought one hundred fifteen dollars of tickets. I'm like, what's going What's going on here? Am I taking everyone in the Bay Area to a Giants game? It certainly feels that way. But yes, and baseball games aren't cheap. He hits a screaming eyeball to center field. He hits another one to center field. Oh, that ball had eyes. I don't even know what that means. Uh, so credit, you know, payment history is super important. Here's what I said. Someone said, how do I get a credit card? Okay, you can go to bankrate.com. I would start with a secured card. And I'd call your mom and dad and say, for graduation, can you loan me a $1,000? and um, get a secured credit card. So they put $1,000 in the bank for you, and you use your credit card, and you pay it off. You link it up to your bank account, and you pay it off every month. And that one month where you make a mistake and you know spend $600 on baseball tickets, and you can't pay it all back, it'll draw automatically from that $1,000. So, And that's a good way to start your credit going. Never, ever try not to have your credit ruined in your 20s. Um, everyone I know has done that. They miss something. They mess something up. They forget a payment. They don't have stamps. And they're like, oh, I'll get them tomorrow. And I, you can do it all electronically now. So there's really no excuse. Car insurance, super important to have. Buying a car, always buy a two-year-old uh, car. Never buy new. Uh, disability insurance, when you have a job, it's super important. You should look into supplemental disability insurance. And life insurance, you don't need it until you're married or until someone needs your income. And then go with term life. That's the best life insurance you can get. That's what I tell college kids. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.